We come to questions to the Prime Minister, Lee Anderson. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Happy New Year to you. Now then, the, uh, the, uh, the Horizon Post Office scandal saw hundreds of innocent people sent to prison, people like a former constituent of mine who went to jail for three years. Now, during this scandal, the leader of the Liberal Democrats was the, the minister in charge of the post office. In charge of the post office. Um, this is the same Liberal Democrat leader who, in the past, has called for the resignation of over 30 prominent people in this country who have made mistakes in their jobs. So, does the Prime Minister agree with me that the leader of the Lib Dems should take his own advice and start by clearing his desk, clear his diary, and clear off? Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, this is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. People who worked hard to serve their communities had their lives and their reputations destroyed through absolutely no fault of their own. The victims must get justice and compensation. Sir Wynne Williams' inquiry is undertaking crucial work to, under, to expose what went wrong, and we've paid almost £150 million in compensation to over 2,500 victims. Uh, but today I can announce that we will introduce new primary legislation to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal are swiftly exonerated and compensated. We will also introduce a new upfront payment of £75,000 for the vital GLO group of postmasters. And can I thank my honourable friend, the member for Thurscombe Moulton, for all his hard work on this issue. He will set out more details to the House shortly. We will make sure that the truth comes to light, we right the wrongs of the past, and the victims get the justice they deserve. Leader of the Opposition, Keir Thank you, Mr Speaker. I heard what the Prime Minister just said about the post office scandal. It is a huge injustice. People lost their lives, their liberty and their livelihood, and they have been waiting far too long for the truth, for justice and for compensation. So I am glad the Prime Minister is putting forward a proposal. We will look at the details, and I think it is the job of all of us to make sure that it delivers the justice that is so needed. Mr Speaker, back in 2022, when Boris Johnson claimed he would send asylum seekers to Rwanda, one ambitious Tory MP had reservations. He agreed with Labour that it wouldn't work, it was a waste of money, it was the latest in a long line of gimmicks. Does the Prime Minister know what happened to that MP? <laughs> well, Mr. Mr Speaker, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, what that gentleman, honourable gentleman, refers to is a document that he hasn't seen, I haven't seen, and has been reported secondhand in a bunch of media newspapers. But what I can tell him, what I can tell him is, I am absolutely clear that you do need to stop the boats, and that's what this government and that MP is going to deliver. I notice he didn't deny it, Mr Speaker. I'm not surprised. £400 million of taxpayer money down the drain. No one sent to Rwanda. Small boats still coming. It's hardly a surprise. He wanted to scrap the scheme 
when he was trying to sneak in as Tory leader. But he's been caught red-handed opposing the very thing that he's now made his flagship policy. Which member should we listen to? The one before us today or the one who used to believe in something? Mr Speaker, Speaker, I've always been crystal clear. You do need to have an effective deterrence to finally solve this problem. In fact, the National Crime Agency agree that you need, in their words, an effective removals and deterrence agreement. And that's why, after becoming Prime Minister, I negotiated a new deal with Albania, thanks to which we have seen a 93% drop in illegal arrivals from Albania. That's how Australia stopped the boats. That's why Italy, Germany and Austria are all looking at similar schemes. He's the only one who's opposed to a proper deterrent. Not because it doesn't work, because he doesn't actually believe in controlling migration, Mr Speaker. Every single time he picks the people smugglers over the British people. Mr Speaker, we should smash the gangs, process the claims and end hotel use. That's our plan. And unlike the Prime Minister, I believe in it. But I'm going to hear the questions. I don't want interruptions, please. It's very important. It's a very important topic. And I take it seriously. I hope members also wish to start taking it seriously. Prime Minister. Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, last year he started the year saying he was Mr Steady. Then at his conference, he was Mr Change. Now he's flipped back to Mr More of the same. It doesn't matter how many relaunches, flip-flops he does, he'll always be Mr Nobody. And here's the tragedy of his leadership. He spends the whole time trying to convince people not to believe their own eyes, pretending that debt is falling, that the economy is going gangbusters, the NHS is in great shape. When he finally finds something he was right about, the Rwanda gimmick, he can't even take credit for it. When's he going to stop pretending that up is down, that black is white, admit that whether it's the economy, immigration, the NHS, he has failed? Mr Speaker, well, let's just go through his checklist. He talks about the backlog, 112,000 decisions made last year, a higher number than in any year in the past two decades, Mr Speaker. He talked about hotels. Well, the first 50 are being closed and there are more to come, Mr Speaker. He talks about the numbers. Well, they were down by over a third last year, Mr Speaker, the first time that's happened. And then he talked, Mr Speaker, he talked about smashing the gangs. Well, if he does care about smashing the gangs, why doesn't he own up to the fact that when it came to the Nationality and Borders Act, he blocked, delayed and voted against the powers in that act, which have allowed us to now arrest hundreds and hundreds of people connected with that illegal trade who have been sentenced to hundreds of years in prison. He opposed that because he chooses the criminal gangs over the British people every time. I don't think we are. Keir Starmer. Mr Speaker, we can all see what's happened here. Just like he knows that debt isn't falling and taxes are going up, he knows the Rwanda gimmick won't work. But he can't be honest about it 
because he's too scared of his own MPs. Doesn't he wish he'd stuck to his guns rather than to allow himself to be taken hostage by his own party? Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, we're, we're debating this because we have taken a stand and we're delivering the toughest migration plan ever to end the legal challenges and actually get flights off the ground. And let's be clear about this. He doesn't have a single, single practical idea about how to stop the boats. But that's because he doesn't actually care about controlling migration. This is a person who described all immigration law as racist, Mr Speaker. He thinks limits on economic migration are, in his words, economic vandalism. It didn't even feature once in his five missions, and he didn't mention it once in his conference speech. The truth is... He's pro-free movement, he's anti-border control, and he can never be trusted to stop the boat. I think we should smash the gangs. And I spent five years of my life, five years of my life doing exactly This is the party that's lost control of the borders. And whilst he's tending to the Tory party, the country is left without government. A collapse in dentistry, leaving people literally pulling out their own teeth. Flood defences completely exposed. Hundreds of thousands of children still out of school. His government appears blissfully uninterested in what's going on outside the walls of Westminster. Does he realise how ludicrous it looks when he spends his time boasting whilst Britain is breaking. Mr Mr. Speaker, I'm I'm glad he brought up our schools, because there's nothing more important than ensuring our children get a world-class education. And that's why I'm pleased that, in spite of Labour opposing every reform that we made, our children are now the best readers in the Western world, Mr Speaker. But he's right that attendance is important, and that's why we're investing millions of pounds more to provide support for absent pupils. We launched a national campaign, and just this week we've doubled the number of attendance hubs to support over 1,000 at the most vulnerable schools. But I am surprised to hear him raise that topic, because from longer lockdowns, all voting against our minimum service laws, his priority has always been keeping our children out of school, Mr Speaker. It's always the same with him. There's no plan. It's just peddling one thing to his union friends and another thing to the British people. New year, new nonsense. Every, Every week he stands here and tells the country they should be thanking him, not questioning him point out that the view on the ground is very different to that from his private jet, and he says, you're talking the country down. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't get what a cost-of-living crisis feels like. He doesn't know any schools where kids no longer turn up, and he doesn't understand what it's like to wait for a hospital appointment. Doesn't the country deserve so much better than a Prime Minister who simply doesn't get Britain? Mr Speaker, well, from the last week we had, I say, yet another half-hour speech from the Honourable Gentleman, and what a surprise, yet again, it didn't contain a single new idea. We've had four years of him as Labour leader, and it's still all slogan, no plan, Mr Speaker. Now, just this weekend, Mr Speaker, 
just this weekend we're delivering on our plan to cut people's taxes, Mr Speaker. He doesn't have a plan. We've got a plan to stop the boats. He doesn't have a plan. And we've got a plan to get people off welfare and into work. He doesn't have a single idea. It's crystal clear, Mr Speaker. Stick with us to deliver the long-term change that the country needs. Don't go back to square one with him. Let him ask the question before you shout for more. Chris Clarkson. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We just know it's going to be fantastic. And a happy new year to you, anyway. Um, it's almost spring when a young man's fancy turns to tax. In Scotland, the Nationalists have decided to increase um, taxes on hard-working people. And in Wales, businesses are being clobbered by a 5% increase on rates. Does my right honourable friend agree with me? There's only one party in this chamber that can be trusted to cut taxes for hard-working people. Mr Speaker, my honourable friend is absolutely right. We are now just this weekend, Mr Speaker, for an average person in work cutting their taxes by £450, Mr Speaker. In Wales, where Labour are in charge, they're raising them, with businesses there now seeing double the rate of business rates this year, Mr Speaker. And it's the same in Scotland under the SNP, the new high-tax capital of the United Kingdom because of the SNP's tax-hiking decisions. So, Mr Speaker, while we've got a plan and cutting your taxes, it's Labour and the SNP that are going to raise them. SMP Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, a horizon system introduced by Tony Blair, the former Labour Party leader and of course now a Knights Garter, a horizon system defended by the current leader of the Liberal Democrats, himself a Knight Bachelor, a horizon system scandal overseen by a former Conservative Prime Minister who now hides in the House of Lords as a Baron. The reality is that sub-postmasters never stood the chance against the Westminster establishment, did they? Mr Speaker, as I've said, this is actually one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our country's history. And all our thoughts are with those who worked so hard for their communities and have seen their lives and reputations destroyed. And, And since this scandal, as the Honourable Gentleman pointed out, has actually unfolded over decades, and with multiple people clearly at fault. But since 2019 and the High Court case, this government established a statutory inquiry led by Sir Wynne Williams to uncover what went wrong, established an independent advisory board, and has established three different compensation schemes, paying out £150 million to over 2,500 people, with now almost two-thirds having received final compensation. But we must go further and faster, Mr Speaker, which is why we have made new announcements today. Mr Speaker, I don't think the Prime Minister quite gets it. This isn't just a plague on all their houses. This is a plague on this House itself, because injustice goes far beyond just the sub-postmasters. Just ask the WASPy women, or the victims of the equitable life scandal, or the victims of the infected blood scandal, or the victims' families from Grenfell or Hillsborough. The reality is that when the public come knocking on the doors of this here chamber seeking justice, the government only ever answers when they have no options left. Now, the Leader of the Opposition said last week that the public are right to be angry at Westminster, and they are angry at Westminster. They're angry at Westminster because they know that this place never really changes, does it, 
Prime Minister. No, Mr Speaker. Uh, This is... Uh, you know, and actually, I'm, I am sad that the honourable gentleman is trying to politicise something yeah, that has yeah. happened over multiple decades, with multiple people at fault. But the key thing is, after the 2019 High Court case, the government did act to establish an independent inquiry, independent compensation schemes, and, as I said, has paid out compensation to two and a half thousand people. But rather than trying to politicise it, what we should be doing is focusing on the people affected and making sure that they get the answers, justice, and compensation that they deserve. And that is what we are delivering. I made a promise to a granddad in my constituency after he told me he hadn't dared speak up when his grandson came home saying, today we were learning if we were in the wrong body. Draft school's guidance to support gender questioning children has now been published just before Christmas and it's out to public consultation. But when we've all seen many individual people very publicly cancelled lost their jobs, their reputation, their relationships for simply supporting biological reality or championing fairness, women's safety, child protection. Can I ask my right honourable friend, how will honest and open engagement be managed through this very important and sensitive consultation process? Can I thank my uh, honourable friend for her important question and assure her that she's right about the safety and well-being of children being paramount in our thoughts, and that is at the heart of the guidance that we have published for consultation. But also, Mr Speaker, parents fundamentally must be involved in decisions about their children's lives, and their involvement is a key part of this guidance. Uh, She is uh, right to say there's a consultation process. That is an opportunity for everyone to engage with this guidance, and she's also right to say, and I agree with her, that those championing safety or indeed talking about the importance of biological sex should absolutely have the freedom to express those views, and she will see those views expressed in the guidance too. I want to thank the Prime Minister for the 3.3 billion financial package which is now available to any restored Northern Ireland executive. However, we still need a discussion around the long-term financial framework before the next spending review. At present, Northern Ireland is seeing its public services in huge crisis, especially health, and there are urgent public sector pay pressures which must be addressed. Last month, the Secretary of State said that the negotiations with the DDP over the Windsor framework have concluded. Does the Prime Minister recognise the real dangers of continued drift in Northern Ireland and the urgent need for Northern Ireland to have a government? Can I thank my, uh, the Honourable Gentleman for his question? Our focus has always been on delivering for the people of Northern Ireland, who rightly expect and deserve their locally elected decision-makers to address the issues that matter to them. Uh, We have held talks with the DUP and believe that significant progress has been made and that there is now a very good basis for the executive to be restored. Uh, I thank him for his comments about the £3 billion financial package. And with that, there is a real chance to restore the executive, resolve pay for public sector workers rapidly and get Northern Ireland and its public services moving again. James Grundy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Atherley Way bypass in Lee was first proposed over 60 years ago, but to this day remains unfinished. I recently met with representatives of Wigan, Warrington and St Helens Council, as well as the Mayor of Greater Manchester, and I'm pleased to say an agreement in principle has been reached to bring forward proposals to complete the bypass. Would the Prime Minister also like to throw his support behind this vital project for my constituents in Lee? 
Well, can I commend my honourable friend for all his work uh, bringing local authorities and, and the mayor together to drive this important project forward? I know that my honourable friend, the rail minister, is meeting with my honourable friend to discuss this proposal uh, and ensure that we can deliver things like this. And as part of Network North, there will be significant new funding announced for local highway improvements. And I would encourage my honourable friend to work with stakeholders to make progress this important scheme and ensure that they can bid for that funding when it becomes available. Alex Norris. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, can I ask the Prime Minister very simply, for the public record, whether he personally met Mr. Akil Tripathi in April last year? prior to Mr Tripathi giving him £38,000 for the hire of a private jet. Oh. Oh. Oh, Mr. Mr Speaker, all, all my uh, declarations are made in the usual way, according to the usual processes. Uh, the Prime Minister knows that I set up and chair the caucus of 35 Conservative Members of Parliament who have Britain's longest river flowing through their constituencies, the River Severn. We've submitted a business case to the Chancellor uh, for £500 million to finally tame the River Severn, and I know that his officials are currently looking at those proposals. To tame the River Severn will lead to a GVA uplift in the West Midlands of over £150 billion. The Prime Minister has seen this week the horrendous damage and misery caused in Shropshire and all the way along the River Severn of this river flooding yet again. We really do need to see now in this spring budget further assistance for communities like mine to finally deal with these annual floods. Uh, can I start by saying that my thoughts are with all those affected by the devastating impact of Storm Hank and the flooding we've seen over the past week or two, including those in my honourable friend's constituency. Uh, action is already being undertaken under our six-year £5.2 billion investment programme to better protect land across the River Severn catchment area and elsewhere. But I know that the Flooding Minister met my honourable friend, along with the Environment Agency, in his constituency just before Christmas to discuss the specific plans he mentions. I know the Chancellor has received and has started reviewing it. Uh, can I can assure him that the Environment Agency is working closely with other partners to explore his plans in more detail further. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Since the outbreak of war in Gaza, over 23,000 Palestinians have been killed, including 10,000 children, and forced displacement is causing a humanitarian catastrophe. There's intensifying fighting between Hezbollah and Israel, a crisis in shipping security in the Red Sea, and, engulfing, and the engulfing of neighbouring countries into a regional conflict. De-escalation will only occur when hostilities cease in Gaza. The Foreign Secretary yesterday said he was worried Israel may have broken international law, and the International Court of Justice is opening hearings in The Hague this week in relation to suspected breaches of obligations under the Geneva Convention. Will the Prime Minister make public legal, legal advice our government requested and received on suspected breaches of international law by Israel and the implications for UK policy, including relevant arms exports. Well, Mr. Mr Speaker, we continue to call for international humanitarian, international humanitarian law to be respected and civilians to be protected, and that is what our current legal assessments say is happening. And as the Foreign Secretary outlined yesterday, that Israel plans to act within international humanitarian law and has the ability to do so. But we are also deeply concerned about the impact 
on civilian population in Gaza. That's why we've trebled the amount of aid that we provide to the region. And just uh, recently, we sent our first maritime shipment of aid to Egypt. A UK military ship delivered over 80 tonnes of new blankets and life-saving medical equipment for Gaza. And we are working with Jordan to find more land routes. We will continue to do everything we can to support the vulnerable people who are being impacted by what's happening on the ground. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In my, in my constituency, the new Hillingdon Hospital has full planning permission, has full funding, and enabling works is well underway. Would my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, agree with me that this new state-of-the-art hospital will uplift the health benefits for the residents of Uxbridge and South Ryslip? And we need join me in visiting the project site at a time where his diary allows. Yeah. My, uh, my honourable friend has been a fantastic campaigner for the new Hillingdon Hospital, and I agree with him that it will provide fantastic care to him and his constituents as well. And I'm pleased that planning permission and funding has now been granted for the site and work is progressing. Uh, I, I will look at my diary, but in the meantime, I can tell him that my honourable friend, the Health Secretary, will be very happy to come and visit my honourable friend's project and see the significant progress for herself. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last year, my constituents had to wait months for an election to finally be confirmed, with uncertainty repeatedly prolonged, seemingly out of self-interest. Now, this year, out of all people, I didn't expect the Prime Minister to be turning to my predecessor for strategic inspiration. If we're going to be waiting, I hope we can work together for a group in my constituency that really deserve support. Will the Prime Minister meet with some fantastic constituents kinship carers in Mid-Bedfordshire to talk through how we can progress the strategy, make it go further faster and, crucially, why Bedfordshire might be a fantastic place for one of the proposed pilot areas. Mr Mr. Speaker, can I pay tribute to all our kinship carers for the incredible work they do? I'll be very happy uh, to review the plans that the honourable gentleman uh, mentioned and make sure that ministers have a look at them too. Uh, And as I said, pay tribute to all of those in his constituency and elsewhere. They're doing a terrific job. And in government, as he knows, we're looking at ways we can support them further and we'll continue to do that. Deborah Miller. Uh, the Prime Minister knows that in Basingstoke we also need a new hospital, and that's why he's given £900 million for our hospital trust to make that happen. Does my right honourable friend agree that this is a once in a lifetime investment and must modernise not just the NHS healthcare that's provided, but also support his plan to double medical training places by 2031? And we're also ready to build our hospital a bit quicker if that helps. <laughs> Uh, Mr Speaker, I am pleased that through our new hospitals programme, Hampshire's Hospital Trust, the NHS Foundation, will receive significant investment to ensure that excellent care is available for her and all her constituents. I think the Trust started their consultation last year and the results are due at the end of March uh, and we'll look forward uh, to making sure that we can deliver this project as quickly as possible as part of the record capital investment in the NHS to deliver faster, better care to patients everywhere. Happy New Year, Mr Speaker. Happy New Year. Reports suggest that the Prime Minister's family investment company, Catamaran Ventures, is being wound up and that his wife is exiting her interests in her childcare company, Koru Kids. So will the Prime Minister keep his promise to the Liaison Committee, which includes a number of Conservative MPs, and confirm whether or not he has forgotten to register any of his financial interests. 
and will he publish all details of Catamaran Ventures investments? Mr Speaker, I take very seriously my responsibilities to register and declare all of my relevant interests. All of them have been declared in accordance with the Ministerial Code, and it is the role of the independent adviser to advise on what is necessary to publish within that list, including in the case of Ministers' family members, and when specific questions are asked in things like Liaison Committee, as I have been in dialogue with the Committee, declarations are made on top of that, which I have made, and as I made from the dispatch box, my wife has been uh, an investor in British companies over the past years, but that is now something that she has ceased to do further going forward. And if, uh... Speaker, new, very large shellfish beds have been discovered in the Thames estuary, including razor clams and manila clams, both highly prized around the world. So will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating local fisherman uh, Mr Paul Gilson on, on his proactive work? And will he come to Leoncey, meet my local fisherman, so we can discuss how to maximise this brilliant Brexit bonus for Essex fishermen? Well, can I uh, can I join my honourable friend in welcoming in welcoming this fantastic discovery? We have been capitalising on the benefits of Brexit since we left the EU, and we're making sure that we can transform opportunity in the UK, particularly in fishing communities. Uh, I know my honourable friend, the Minister for Farming and Fishing, will be happy to meet with her to discuss what more this could mean. And I hope I also have an opportunity to come and see her and see this incredible discovery for myself too. I was a nurse in our NHS for 25 years. It is an offence to my colleagues and our patients when the Prime Minister pretends he's got a grip on NHS waiting times. Despite his big pledge to cut them, they've risen by half a million in the last year alone. He can blame striking only likes, but after 14 years of Tories, who can possibly say the NHS is better off? Mr Speaker, can I I thank the Honourable Lady for her decades of service in the NHS and commend all the work of our fantastic, hard-working nurses in the NHS. And I'm pleased that we've delivered early on our manifesto pledge to have 50,000 more nurses uh, in the NHS, together with record numbers of doctors, elective surgical hubs, community diagnostic centres, all of which means that we are now treating more people in the NHS than we have ever done before. Uh, one thing that is hampering progress on tackling the waiting list is obviously industrial action. So I hope that the Honourable Lady can join with the million NHS NHS workers, including nurses, midwives, therapists, uh, paramedics, consultants and specialty doctors, all of whom who have reached a fair and reasonable pay settlement with the government and urge the junior doctors to do the same. I believe that not all Jewish people are bad. Palestinians are dying whilst the Zionists are laughing their lives away. How do you send letters believing the Western media on how Hamas is a terrorist group? For all I know, the only terrorist group is the Zionists. Not my words, words produced by pupils as young as 11 in schools in this country, one of whom signed off their letter saying they sought vengeance. That word was, however, crossed out. In another school in the northwest of England, pro-Palestinian activists were invited in to educate pupils on the history of Palestine and displayed slides to their students which denied the existence of 
the State of Israel. And in other schools, we know they have allowed absences for people to attend protests, where there have been, of course, many examples of anti-Semitism. This is completely unacceptable. Can I ask the Prime Minister to look at what is going on in our schools and to hold an independent review on how we can do more on our curriculum to educate about the perils of anti-Semitism? Can I thank my honourable friend for raising what is a deeply concerning issue? And as I've said before, there is no place for anti-Semitism or glorification of terrorism in Britain, especially in our classrooms. And that's why we welcome the recent report from Lord Mann, the government's independent advisor on anti-Semitism, and in particular, his recommendation on how schools can tackle anti-Semitism. We will continue to work together with Lord Mann on this vital issue, and I look forward to hearing further suggestions from our honourable friend too. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. When my best friend and constituent, Dr Laura Williams, lost her husband suddenly at 35, she was left alone with three children under the age of five. Nothing could have prepared her for that grief and loss. And I have witnessed firsthand what a remarkable job she has done to carry on and stay afloat. But, Mr Speaker, it's been made much harder by the fact that bereavement support payments have been cut to just 18 months, an allowance that is primarily for children who lose a parent. So will the Prime Minister be kind enough to meet with Dr Laura and me to hear firsthand her experience of losing her husband and see what can be done for those like her who are bereaved with young children to support? I'm very sorry to hear about the Honourable Lady's constituent and her tragic loss, and I'd be very happy to meet with her at the earliest opportunity. Name Jackie Doyle-Price, and congratulations. the Thames between Tilbury and Gravesend in my constituency since 1307, but the current ferry service is currently under threat due to withdrawal of local authority funding. With so many people using that ferry service to come to work in Tilbury docks and the incumbent uh, expansion of the Thames Freeport, would my right honourable friend encourage the local authorities to do all they can to make sure that we take full advantage of the opportunities by a new contract for this service and perhaps looking to expand that as a way of getting more people to work in the new jobs being created? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my uh, honourable friend is right to highlight that the Tilbury to Gravesend ferry service does form an important part of the local transport services provided by local authorities. Obviously, those funding decisions are for the councils required, but I would encourage them to consider the importance of cross-river transport, as highlighted by my honourable friend, in her local community, and do that as part of their upcoming local transport planning. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Has the Prime Minister seen the utterly damning new UNICEF report showing child income poverty rose way faster in the UK than in any of the other 39 countries analysed in the decades to 2021. Scrapping the benefits cap, scrapping the two-child limit, rolling out the Scottish child payment UK-wide could reverse a decade of utter failure. So why won't he, or indeed the so-called official opposition, commit to these potentially transformative but affordable policies? Well, Mr Speaker, I would just point out to the honourable gentleman that since 2010, the number of people living in poverty has actually reduced by 1.7 million, Mr Speaker, including hundreds of thousands of children. Uh, but the best way to make sure that children don't grow up in poverty, which no one wants to see, is to make sure that their parents are in work and then to make sure that they can keep as much of their hard-earned money as possible, which is why I would urge the SNP to think again about their plans to make this Scotland the highest tax part of the United Kingdom for an average worker, Mr Speaker. Davis. 
thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. My constituents know only too uh, well the, dis the disaster of living under a Labour regime. Uh, just before Christmas, the Labour Council in Bradford announced that they were bankrupt. Uh, and then spent the first three hours of the subsequent council meeting debating Gaza and Israel rather than the perilous financial situation they were in. Will the Prime Minister support my campaign and that of my honourable friend for Keithley in getting our constituencies out of Bradford Council yeah, control, yeah, 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 which is more urgent than ever? And will he make sure that the government deliver a swimming pool in Bingley, which is... <laughs> Which is something, which is something that was run down and then closed down as part of the mismanagement of Bradford Council. Yeah. Speaker, my uh, honourable friend makes an excellent point. Uh, whether it's local councils in his area, or Nottingham, or indeed Birmingham, we see a track record of Labour mismanagement of finances in local areas. And we all know, as my honourable friend points out, when that happens and when Labour in power, it is working people that pay the price. And that's why you've got to stick to our plan, Mr Speaker. Number 14, Mr Speaker. <laughs> Mr Speaker. We are providing extensive financial support worth over £100 billion, or £3,500 per household on average between 2022 and 2025, to help everyone with their energy bills. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last month, Marie Curie told me that terminally ill people who want to die at home have been forced into hospitals to die yeah. because they can't afford to heat their homes sufficiently. Will the Prime Minister meet with me, Marie Curie and other organisations, including energy companies, who are fully supportive of a social energy tariff, and try and find a way forward? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr Speaker, I will make sure that the uh, Honourable Lady gets the meeting uh, that she needs with the appropriate Minister, but we are working very closely with Ofgem to make sure that the most vulnerable households are protected, especially this winter. And crucially developing the priority services register which vulnerable households including those who are disabled or facing particular needs can sign up to for for free to receive extra help with their energy supply but I'm sure as I said the minister relevant minister meets with Marie Curie and the honourable lady. Dr. Fletcher. Speaker, um, prioritising connecting towns in the north of England is a big part of Network North, so you'll be pleased I've got a suggestion. Um, direct trains between Preston and Liverpool don't exist because you have to get off because there's buffers at Ormskirk. Now, science and technology in new multimodal battery trains is going to allow that to be an accessible possibility and then get Midge Hall Station reopened in Leyland. So, does my right friend agree with me that that's a great idea and we should crack on with it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Mr Speaker, Network North will significantly improve connectivity across the north, including £3 billion to connect up all the major towns and cities of the north and £12 billion to improve connectivity between Manchester and Liverpool. Uh, my honourable friend is a fantastic champion for the region and I know that both her and I think the honourable uh, member for Southport discussed Midge Hall Station recently with the Transport Secretary. I know he's looking at options but we're keen to use every penny that will be saved from our decision on HS2 to reinvest it back in the north in local communities and her idea sounds fantastic. No question, Dr. Parents' worst nightmare is watching their children starve and suffer. Mm -hmm. 
Yet in Gaza, living hell is being realised, with innocent children eating weeds and a thousand children having lost one or more legs, many of which have to have them amputated without anaesthesia or pain relief. I am sure the Prime Minister will agree that this is inhumane, so will he please publicly call for unhindered access of food and medicine to reach Gaza and tell Israel to stop attacking healthcare facilities. Mr Speaker, as I've said previously, we're deeply concerned about the devastating impact of the fighting in Gaza on the civilian population, particularly, of course, children. Too many people have lost their lives already, and there is a desperate need for increased humanitarian support to Gaza. I've stressed those points repeatedly to Prime Minister Netanyahu, and we are doing our bit to get more aid in. As I said, we've trebled our aid commitment. We've earlier this month sent in the first maritime shipment of aid into Egypt, which will help, and we're working with the United Nations to deliver a new humanitarian land corridor from Jordan into Gaza, because I agree with her. We want to see more aid into Gaza, helping the most vulnerable people, and we should be proud in this House that the United Kingdom is playing a leading role in making that happen. That completes Prime Minister's questions. I'll let the Chamber clear.